Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to see you. My name's Mike. <laughs> they gave me a visitor's cup when I came in this morning. I was a little under the weather two weeks ago, and last week I was at my daughter-in-law's graduation from med school, so thank you for missing me, and you didn't even know I was gone, did you? I want to thank Jason and Matt for filling in, and Tanner while I was gone, and uh, I'm so very thankful to be here with you today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all that we felt, the worship, the praise, the music, and all the moms today, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you love us and you care for us. And Lord, we just know that you are our God. You're the mighty God, the thrice holy God, the only God. And Lord, we, 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 just, we just come today with humble hearts. We come today because you are the one who loves us more than we could ever, ever know. We ask all these things and believe all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. There's a question in the Bible, and it asks this question, who can find a virtuous woman? The last part of that verse says her price is far above rubies. If I give you the Oklahoma vernacular, it would say, a good woman is hard to find. And that's really true. In today's world, a good woman is hard to find. A few years ago, I came across this survey, and it was some statistics about women in the United States. And... Uh, a 2008 study by Clairol states that 75% of women color their hair. 25% of women wear false eyelashes. 38% of women have worn wigs. 85% of women wear makeup. 93% use nail polish. And 98% of all women wear eyeshadow. And they also asked the women if... Uh, they had any questions about this uh, subject, and they said 100% of women condemn any kind of false packaging. <laughs> well, sometimes you just need to look the best you can, right? Well, there are many types of women mentioned in the Bible. We have women that are evil and foolish, contentious women, and brawling women. And how many of you know Solomon had about 1,000 women at his disposal? He had uh, 700 of one and 300 of the other. And I don't know about you, but that's a lot of a Mother's Day presents to buy. But he was rich. And he gave us these two verses, uh, Proverbs 21. It's better to live in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. It's better to live in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a big house. Well, maybe he would know if he's got a thousand of them, right? There's been adulterous women, silly women, deceitful women, and the Bible's just full. But how many of you know the Bible's also full of great women and good women and godly women? And we're going to talk about that today. But moms, you know that your job is not an easy job. I mean, it's a, it's a tough job. And uh, someone remarked and said, cleaning the kids and cleaning the house with the kids in the house is like brushing your teeth with Oreos. And one little girl said, moms are like dads, only smarter. One mother said, some days I amaze myself on how well I actually do. Other days I put the laundry in the oven. Moms, you're the ones who've seen it all and you've smelled it all and heard it all and changed it all and cleaned it all up. And a mother's blessing might go something like this. May your coffee be strong and nap time long. 
And some of you mothers immediately got that. Turn your Bible to Isaiah chapter 66. I want to give you one verse today. And this is the Lord describing how he deals with us. Do you realize that God said, verse 13, As one whom his mother comforts, so will I comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. All of the things that we see in moms really come from God. Do you realize that we were created the image of God? God created the heavens and the earth, and he on the sixth day created man, and out of man he brought woman. So we were created the likeness of God, so the things that are good in us come from God. How many of you know every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father? And so therefore, if there is any virtuous things in us, it does originally come from God. And the qualities of a godly mother are the qualities of God. So if we have godly mothers here, guess what? Those qualities originated from God. Qualities like love and compassion and mercy and grace and long-suffering and tenderness and instruction, nurturing, forgiveness. Moms, let me ask you a question. Do you ever have to forgive? Has your heart ever been broken? Have you ever felt like you were married to a knucklehead? Ladies, I deserve a better amen than that. All right, let's get real this morning. Because there are so many things that happen, and mothers are so important. If the man is the head of the house, how many of you know the mother's the heart of the home? If the man is the head of the house, the mother's the heart of the home. Carrie says this, you don't like being alone, and that's really true, I don't. And if you've ever come home to an empty house, and so many of you have, and every year when we come to this place, there's always someone who's here without their mother for the first time. There's always someone here that's without somebody for the first time. And my heart breaks for that. But life is so much better when we have love and compassion and friendship and camaraderie. And maybe your mother's not here and maybe you didn't have a good mom. And so many people did not. But I'm going to tell you, there are so many good people around us. It does help us, doesn't it? And it does make up so many things. So we're here today to talk about some of the qualities and the virtues. And I want to talk about mom strong and strong mom. How many of you know moms have to be very strong? And you have to be tenacious. You have to be courageous. I want to give you just about four moms and four women that I want to talk about. The first one is Ruth. Everybody say Ruth. Ruth was strong in dealing with her past. Ruth was strong in dealing with her past. Now, if you know anything about Ruth, someone said Boaz made mention that without uh, his wife, he was ruthless. Now, I don't know if that's really true or not, but someone told me that this morning. So you'll get that on the way home. But here you have a woman that's a Moabitess. She doesn't come from Israel. She's not of the Hebrews. She is from a pagan culture, and it's a horrible culture. The people from the land of Moab worship false gods, heathen gods. Their primary god was a god by the name of Chemosh, which is akin to the god of the Amalekites uh, and the Amorites, their god Moloch. And what they would do, they, they did a lot of weird worship. It was around prostitution, illicit sex, adultery, incest, and, and human sacrifice. And most of all, they sacrificed their children. It's horrible. And pictures, renditions of the descriptions of these gods, these gods were ugly and they were terrible and they would make these huge images and they would build a fire in the belly of these images and it had mechanical arms and they would come up and lay their children in the arms of this God and they would flip a, leather, a lever and their children would go into the belly of the beast, if you will, the belly of these idols and literally burn to death as a sacrifice to their gods. How do you know that is, that's horrible. 
It's demonic. It's devilish. And that is the background that Ruth came out of. But she married a Jewish boy. The family had left Bethlehem because of the drought and the famine. They went to Moab to try to find some food. She married this young man, but it wasn't long that he died. And now she has the decision, what do I do? You know, I, I'm a widow now. Where do I go? How, how do I earn a living? But she connected to her mother-in-law, Naomi. You, you know the story, don't you? And Naomi and, and this young man that she married put so much good things in her. Naomi tried to get Ruth to go back to her own people. Go back to your mother. Go back to your own civilization, your own lifestyle. And Ruth would not. Let me tell you, if you're serving that kind of ugly, horrible God and you hear about Jehovah God who's full of mercy and grace, how many of you know it's a switcheroo for in my, my business here? So here she is. And uh, Naomi says, why don't you go back? I'm going to read to you the dialogue between Ruth and Naomi. This is what Ruth said to Naomi when she said, Go home. Entreat me not to leave you or to go back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death does part us. Let me tell you, that's beautiful. But think about Ruth. She is dealing with the bereavement of her husband. She's dealing with where do I go? How do I live? Where do I journey? If I'm going to go back to her, it's a strange land. I've never been there before. I don't know what it's like. Will they accept me? And this woman goes back and has to eke out a living by being a gleaner. You know what that means? It means she had no property, she had no crops, but she would go glean the fields and there was a law in Israel that the poor could come and glean the corners of the fields and if the harvesters dropped any grain, they could pick it up. Now, when she's out there gleaning the fields, the fellow who owns all the fields, his name is Boaz, and he looks at her. How many of you know a good-looking woman is a good-looking woman no matter where she comes from? Y'all are so holy. I'm just telling you, a good-looking woman is just a good-looking woman. He looks at there and he sees Ruth. And he says, who is this? And they said, this is Ruth the Moabite. She came back with her mother-in-law. Her husband died. And, uh, you know, when, when Boaz sees her, this is the spiritual thing in the Bible. He says, hubba, hubba. Maybe that's not in the Bible. But, but you understand. I mean, he's attracted to her. He, he, he's moved her way. And uh, let me tell you about the comment that Boaz made about his future wife. This is found in uh, chapter 3, verse 11 of the, the book that her name bears. For all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. All the people of my town know that you're a virtuous woman. Remember how we started? Who can find a virtuous woman? And guess what? Boaz sees one. She's not only taking care of herself, she's taking care of her mother-in-law that's lost everything. And so Boaz sees her and he's attracted to her and he tells the harvesters, he says, why don't you drop a little more grain for her? Let's grease the wheels a little bit. Let, let's, let's, uh, let's start the romance here. Drop some stuff for her. And on the other side, Naomi is telling her how to get her man. Now, ladies, how many of you could just use some good advice on how to get a good man? Okay, I'll move on. I'm going to preach to this section over here. I'm just saying, this thing is coming together. And this is not by accident. How many of you know God's got something in play here? 
God's doing something here. But for Ruth to go to this extreme, she has to forget her homeland. She has to forget her old worship. She has to forget the death and the bereavement and the hurt and the pain that she's gone through to move forward. Let me tell you something. Everybody's got junk in their trunk. You have failed. I have failed. We've done some things wrong. We've been hurt. We've been wounded. And we've got to move forward. We have a new young lady and a little boy in our church. Her name is Krista. And I asked her Wednesday night because I'd visited with her. She's only been coming a few months and she came to see me the other day and she told me her story. And I said, Krista, Wednesday night, I said, Krista, can I tell you uh, that I want to use your story Sunday morning for Mother's Day? She said, well, Pastor, I won't be here. And I said, can I use your story anyway? She said, but I want to hear it. I said, we'll buy you a CD. <laughs> so Krista, very beautiful young lady, has a little boy. And she said, Pastor Mike, she said, I want to change my life. I don't want to live the way that I've been living. I don't want to go back to where I came from. I don't want my son to be exposed to the lifestyle that I came out of. I want to forget the past. I want to have a new journey. I want to have a new step, new life, new potential. And I'll tell you, every one of us have been there. Because this is what I know. You failed. And you've had some hurts. And you've had some things that's happened in your life that you need to move past. Let me tell you, Ruth was mom strong, strong mom into saying, I'm not going to live that way. I'm going to live this way. I'm going to serve God. And do you know that Boaz married Ruth? And they had a baby by the name of Obed. And then Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse had a son by the name of David. Do you realize that Ruth is the great-grandmother of King David? Whoa, what a story here. God was doing something here. There are two women that appear in the genealogy of Jesus that weren't even from Israel. These two women had to leave their place, leave their past, go to a new direction. And mom, if you're going to be mom, you're going to have to leave some things behind. Your husband will hurt you. Your children will hurt you. There's going to be pain. There's going to be some regret. There's going to be some broken hearts. But you've got to move past that like a Ruth. And you've got to be mom strong, right? Here's the second one. What about Hannah? Strong in prayer and expectation. Strong in prayer and expectation. Do you realize that Hannah only appears just in a couple of chapters in the Bible? Her story actually begins the first book of Samuel. There's a man by the name of Elkinah, and he, he, he marries a wife. The first wife, we believe, is Hannah. Then he marries another wife. But the Bible says that God had shut Hannah's womb. She had no children. The second wife had children. And, and Hannah just prayed. She says, God, I want a son. I, I want children. And she prayed and she prayed and she prayed. Do you realize in the first few verses of chapter 1 and chapter 2, it says that Hannah prayed five times in distress, in pain, in agony, pleading before the, for the Lord. And, and they go to the temple, they go to the tabernacle, and she goes in and she prays and she prays and she prays, God, I want a son, give me children, give me a son, I'll, I'll give him to you. And one day she's in the tabernacle praying, and she's praying and she's moving her lips, but nothing's coming out of her mouth. And Eli the high priest came by and he said, I think you're drunk. 
you're a wine bibber. You've been at the bottle too much. And Hannah says, oh, no, my Lord. said, I'm, I'm praying. My heart is heavy because I'm praying for a son. And she prays and she prays and she prays. And moms, have you ever prayed for your kids? Carrie began to pray for ours before they were ever born. She prayed for their wives. Maybe one of these days Matt will get one. <laughs> she still prays for our kids. And, and I know that a mother's heart is turned to the children. Matter of fact, when... We took Aaron to college, and some of you are going through this transition because there's graduations, you know, this month, and then uh, there's college for so many of our kids coming up in August, and when uh, Aaron went to college, we took him up to the university, and, and we let him out and helped him get into his dorm room, and we got in the car and began to drive off, and you know what Carrie began to do? She began to cry. And she said, this will be probably the last time that my little boy will ever really be at our house. And that little bedroom across the hall is going to be empty. Our little boy, who's the guard on the football team at college, that weighs about 270-something pounds, our little boy, <laughs> has moved off. And then we took Matt to OU and... I thought, you know, she's going to be better because she's already been through this once. And so we, we get there and we get him up in the dorm and we drive away. And I thought, Carrie's doing so good. And then right before the toll booth on the H.E. Bailey Turnpike on 44, she started crying. It was a little further, but it started anyway. <laughs> My little boy has gone off to college. You know what that is? That's a mother's love. It's transitions, it's seasons in our life. And, and Hannah is in a bad season, she feels like, because there is no child, there is no son. But you know what God did? He opened her womb. And she had a baby. And she had prayed for this baby over and over and over again. And as her husband and the family would go up to worship again, she said, I will not go again until I wean this child, and I will give him to the Lord. And Hannah gave her son to the Lord, and the book she's in bears her son's name, Samuel. Sin. Here he is. God has brought me a son, and her son changed the landscape of Israel. You never know. That little snotty no kid of yours may cure cancer. That little girl that just has cupcakes all over her face may be the next ballerina or singer or America's Got Talent or the next idol. I mean, I don't know. But I'm telling you, moms, we're raising a generation. I looked at this platform today as they were doing praise and worship. My heart swelled because I saw these little kids grow up and now they're worshiping the Lord. Pray for your kids. Pray that God would do something. Be mom strong in prayer and expectation. And she's praying. Here's the third one. What about Mary? Not Mary, the mother of Jesus, but Mary, the friend of Jesus. Remember, let me read the story. Jesus and the disciples, Luke chapter 10, they're traveling. They come through a city called Bethany, and it happened as they were there, he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who was also there, and she sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. But Martha... Everybody say Martha. Martha. 
But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my, care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, go tell her to help me. Lord, go tell my lazy sister to get up and go help me. Now notice the response of Jesus. And Jesus answered and said it to her, Martha, Martha. You know I found out if anybody calls your name twice, you're in trouble. And if they put your middle name in there, you're really in trouble. If I ever heard my mother say, Michael Leroy, she always called me Mike. But Michael Leroy, how many of you know that never sounds good? If your middle name gets in there, hold on, something's about to happen. Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Do you realize that Mary is strong in making time for God? Martha's busy, she's distracted, she's working hard, she's doing this and that. Let me tell you, moms, I need you to be mom strong, strong mom, and making God a priority. We're living in a time today, and you know it, just like Martha, distractions around us every day, work, school, sports, recreation, hobbies, you can go on and on and on. Our kids were the same way. They wanted to play soccer. They wanted to play basketball. They wanted to be in FFA. They wanted to be in 4-H. They wanted to be in band. They wanted to play all these things. They wanted to go all these things. I'm not knocking any of them because we've done them all. But let me tell you, you better make time for God. You better have a priority for God. When the boys said that uh, they wanted to be in band, I don't know anything about band. So I went to the band room, and they were supposed to pick out instruments. Jack, you'll appreciate this. I walked in. They had the distributors and the providers, and I said, Aaron, what are you going to play? He said, Dad, I want to play the trumpet. I said, Matt, what are you going to play? I want to play the saxophone. I went in there, and I got a trumpet and a saxophone, we left. They said, Pastor, that's not the way that works. You're supposed to go with the music teacher and the band teacher, and they try you out and see what you can play. Well, I, I was shopping. I went in there and bagged two instruments, and I left. And that's what you do at Walmart, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about the girls. Guys, you go in, you get what you want, you leave. You, you, I mean, we're on a hunt. We're bagging this thing. We're going to put it in the car. We're going to leave. So that's what I did. And so they played for a while, then they didn't play for a while. But you know what? This is what I found out. I said, okay, guys, you can do this and this and this, but we're not going to do everything under the sun because I feel like a taxi driver here. Can I get a witness? I'm driving these kids everywhere. So listen, we want to expose our kids to many things, but let me tell you what we really want to do. We want to expose them to the Lord. We want to have time for God. Listen. Mary is a prioritizing person. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to do, but I'm only going to have Jesus here so long, so I'm going to sit at his feet and I'm going to learn something. Martha, Martha, listen, she's choosing the, better, choosing the better things. So listen, you and I have to make some priorities in our life. Can I hear an amen? We have to put God first. And we have to make sure we're exposing our kids to the right friends, the right people. Are we bringing them up in the house of God on a regular basis? Or is this just a hit and miss thing for us? And it's really not a priority. And let me tell you, your kids will know if this is a priority. 
And so Martha is mom strong. She is woman strong in prioritizing the things that really aren't important sometimes. And Mary is prioritizing the things that are really important that are eternal. And here's the last one. You ever heard of Esther? Esther was strong in making a stand. Now, if you don't know the story of Esther, it's a beautiful story because she is the child. She's the child of one of the captives from Israel. They were in bondage for 70 years. Here's a young woman, probably who's never known her native land, but yet she's a Hebrew and she's being brought up in a foreign Persian land. But this is what's happened. The king's queen, the wife, when he called her one day, she didn't come. He said, and, and let me just use my terminology, okay? Everybody going to be okay with this? Honey, why don't you come into the throne room? No, I don't feel like it today. No, come on, honey. Let, let, I need you in here. No, I'm not coming. She refused to come. Now, women's lib had not quite taken root at this time. And... The king was so upset that his wife would not come. And the princes got with him. And this is absolutely the truth. They said, King, you can't let her, let her get by with this because our wives will start not listening to us. <laughs> and so he, he said, you can't be queen anymore. I mean, he could have killed her. He didn't. But they had a... A queen audition. They're going to get a new queen. So they searched th this entire country that has conquested many tribes and peoples and countries. So they have queen auditions. But the most beautiful lady in the entire kingdom of Persia is a young Jewish girl by the name of Esther. She won the genetic lottery. She is the most beautiful woman in the entire country. So they bring all of these young ladies in and, and the king is going to look at all of them and he's going to choose a new queen. But how many of you know God always has a plan? While we're thinking about something, God's already figured it out. And so there was a, a man there that helped the ladies get ready for the queen audition. And for some reason, I think it's a God thing, don't you? Just kind of had a favor to Queen Esther. And so he knew what kind of clothes she liked, what color she liked, he, he liked, what kind of hairdos he liked. He liked Chanel number one. I mean, it's a long time ago. Uh, and, and first service didn't get this at all. But uh, don't say this, but y'all a little sharper than that first. But just kidding. So he fixed Esther up. And, and when the the king saw her, she was chosen. And she became the queen. And then there was a man that's second in command of all of Persia by the name of Haman. You remember that guy? I mean, he is a horrible dude. Wicked, corrupt. And Esther's uncle, Mordecai, couldn't stand him. And whenever he would come through the streets... Everyone would bow and do obeisance to Haman, but Mordecai would never bow down to him. Never bow down to him. And Haman hated him for that. And then found out he was a Jew. And then he went and 
connived to have the king to sign a proclamation. This is how he put it. He said, do you know there is a subgroup, a subculture, a, 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 a little tiny remnant that we've captured over these years that don't observe the laws and the customs and they worship a different God than we worship? And I think it's in the king's best interest to exterminate them. So he had the king sign a proclamation. He said, that's what you wanted to do. Signed it, sealed it. And then they were going to kill all the Jews. And then Mordecai, I found out, come to Esther and uh, said, Esther, we're in trouble. The king has given an edict that all of the Jews are to be killed. And he doesn't know that you're a Jew. You need to go tell him. You need to go talk to him. And Esther said, I can't go in before him unless he asks for me. And Mordecai said, you need to do something. And you know what she said? And here's the word from the Bible. I'll do it. If I perish, I perish. If he kills me, I'll kill. You know, I'm gone. So she, she goes in and how many of you know she's used some wisdom? She goes in and says, I want to invite you to a banquet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a dinner. I want you to come. Hey, invite Haman to come with you. This is a sharp chick. Invite Haman to come with you. And so the king one night, he is, uh, he's going to bed and he can't sleep. And he had one of the scribes, hey, read some of the history. Read me to sleep here. So the scribe comes and he has some of the history. And he, he, he turns the page and it happens to land on a day where two conspirators were going to assassinate the king. But someone had tipped them off. And told the authorities and they captured the two would-be assassins and saved the king's life. And the king said, who was this guy? And said, it was Mordecai. What was ever done for him? We never did anything for him. He said, we never did anything for the guy who saved my life? No, we didn't do anything. Said, well, hey, let me ask Haman a question. What would you do for somebody who saved my life? And Haman thought he was talking about him. He said, well, I would get the king's horse, put him in the king's clothes, put the king's crown, have someone lead the horse, declare down the streets to the people of how great he was and what he did. And the king said, good, Haman, go get Mordecai. Put him on the horse and do that. <laughs> Don't you love it? I mean, you know, God's working behind the scenes for you and for me. And then when... Esther invited the king and Haman in. Haman even went back and told his wife, said, hey, let me tell you something. The queen has thrown a party and the only people she's invited is the king and me. I must be really important. And then when they get there, this is what Esther said. Said, king baby, there has been a proclamation to kill all of the Jews and I want to tell you something. I've never told this to you before. But I'm a Jew. Well, who in the world drafted this proclamation? Haman did. And the king was so upset, he rose from the room and went out on the balcony. And Haman is absolutely terrified. He goes and throws himself on Queen Esther, begging for his life. About that time, the king walks in. He says, you going to have my wife too? And someone says, what do I do with Haman? And one of his aides said, well, you know, he built a big scaffold back here. Why don't you just hang him on his own scaffold? I'll tell you, Haman was a swinger after that. <laughs> God moved because someone was willing to make a stand. 
Mom, let me finish with this today. You're going to have to be mom strong to make a stand. When your little girl at 13 wants to go out and her hiney's showing out the back of her skirt and dress, you better make a stand. When she wants to go on a date, she looks like she just got off the street of New York City at 3 o'clock in the morning, you need to make a stand. When that son wants to defy you, you need to look him eye to eye and you need to make a stand. We need some moms and dads. We need some people to make a stand because we live in a sinful world. We have a cruel culture and we need some families to make a stand for what is right and good and holy. Can I hear an amen? Esther knew how to make a stand. Even if it cost her her own life. Listen, our children aren't mature enough to know the things they need to know. That's why God gave them a mother and a father. Can I hear an amen? So we want to be Ladies, people who know how to pray, people who know how to leave the past, people who know how to prioritize their life, someone who knows how to make a stand in these last days. I'm not saying that we get out here on a mountain and put on a white robe and hold hands and sing kumbaya. You know that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that we are the people of God and we know him and we know what is good and right and holy and we need some moms to make us stand like this woman Esther. And we can because we're raising the next generation and the next generation, and the next generation. These little babies and these kids in the back, and these young women and young men, I believe they're going to turn out well. I believe in them, don't you? I love them. I support them. You know why? Because they're the army of God. And as moms and dads, we can do some things that will help them. Let's be mom strong. Let's be strong, mom. Let's do what we need to do. Bow your head. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us and caring for us more than we could ever imagine. Thank you, Lord, for being our God. Thank you, Lord, for helping us through all the situations that we face. Let us forget our failures and our past as we commit them to you. Lord, we pray right now that you would help each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.